Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Somos Mas for our very first ever fully vaccinated episode. All three of us are now fully vaccinated. My name, of course, is Seth Bidoff. Thank you guys so much for joining us. As you see with me tonight, we have Earl Nieto and Jacob Terrell. As always, we are Somos Mas. Guys, it's been a busy week. I, I don't know if I've told you guys all the details about our week, but uh, we had our dogs fixed at the end of last week. And one of our dogs popped their stitches over the weekend. Oh, that's so, yeah, that that's always fun. So she had to get had to get a uh, restitched, and now she has staples. And so, yeah, having to monitor dogs twenty two dogs twenty four seven basically, so they don't pop any more stitches is uh, is not fun. So, uh, word of advice to anyone out there doing it. There's a really cool saying that goes around: um, "Better you than me." <laughs> No, I mean, we're glad we did it. You know, we obviously, we, we don't want, because we have a, we have a male and a female dog. We don't want them having puppies all over the place. And so, you know, it was, it was a necessary thing, but yeah, it's been a hectic few days trying to take care of that. But uh, as we get into this week's show, we've got a lot, of, a lot to get to, of course, as everyone knows in our brand new format, we're going to, we sit here, we talk New Mexico United. We're going to recap the previous match. We're going to preview the next match for you guys. And then, and the second part of our show, we'll talk some of the biggest stories from around the world of sports. And we've got a, a whole lot to get to. Uh, each of the episodes does go live later in the week on podcast feeds, on which basically whichever podcast player you choose. Uh, we'll have the New Mexico United news and notes up uh, Thursday at the latest. And then we will have the second part up later in the weekend. And I, I didn't tell you guys this, but I was kind of thinking when uh, kind of like a subtitle, sub uh, sub brand for that Sunday for that weekend show. You know, out here in New Mexico, we have a, a large Catholic population. You know, everyone goes to Sunday Mass. I thought about calling our show Sun, Sunday Mass. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about you guys, but <laughs> okay. I, look, I at this point, I don't care. Run with it. I just thought it'd be an interesting little play on, on that. Um, you know, again, given how many Catholic folks are out here. So, uh, I don't think Jacob heard me. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna run without, without Jacob knowing what we're doing. We'll run with it. Okay. We'll do it. <laughs> well, there you have it folks. Our new, uh, our weekend show will be called Sunday Moss. Um, where you get uh, even more almost mass uh, discussion about the world of sports. Uh, burning question for you two guys tonight. What is your stance on remakes or reboots of shows or movies? It depends. I feel like Earl's, I feel like Earl's got a good answer here. So let's roll with it, Earl. It really depends. How close to the original storyline is it? Okay, that's that's a that's a good that's a fair point. Now, and, and so there's a scenario that I that I found out about today. But before I get into it, Jacob, I want to hear I want to hear, I want to hear your take on this. It it's really hard to give a blanket statement on it because, like, I find you find out that they're redoing. Oh, I'm trying to think of something. Drawing a blank. So CSI, for example, they're bringing back you know the original CSI, the original cast. That that's not what I was what I was going towards, but surely you've heard about this. Were either of you big CSI fans? I loved the original CSI. I didn't know it was coming back though. Yeah, it's coming back with a lot of the original cast. See, I don't like CSI, and I probably won't watch it now because it gives my wife the exact details on how to off me 
and get away with it. <laughs> fair point. Fair point. All right. So the reason I asked this question is that I was scrolling through my newsfeed today and I saw a, an article that was posted. Apparently, the CW has acquired the rights. And Jacob, you're probably old enough to remember this show. Or I don't know if Earl is. Legends of the Hidden Temple. Yep. From Nickelodeon. Yes. I'm okay with this. I am 100% okay. okay with this. All right. So, yeah, apparently the CW has acquired the rights to Legends of the Hidden Temple. It's not necessarily going to be a children's show. It's going to be a more adult, bigger scale type of show as part of a, a push that they're doing to do non-scripted stuff. So to me, Legends of the Hidden Temple was a, was like one of those shows that, you know, like that and guts, you know, you get up and watch those on Nickelodeon. And, and uh, I just I, I still go try to find uh, shows whenever I can and watch them. So when I saw this, I was kind of intrigued by it now because, you know, Hollywood does so much with rebooting things and remaking things i mean to me this seems like it's just gonna be like another real world real world road rules challenge type deal or am i wrong i i see i don't know because i haven't really watched the preview on it i did hear it's actually been in the in the talks for a while to reboot this um and i've been 100 percent okay with this since i first heard about it uh, I didn't realize it was that big of a. I didn't realize it had that big, uh, that much rent in your heart that it made the podcast. So I'm kind of impressed, actually. Um, but that's also not the only TV show, old TV show, that has made a return or is making a return. Um, I do know that my favorite show, Supermarket Sweep, made its return. Yes, yes, those of you sure watching, and those of you listening, I am old enough to know Supermarket Sweep and the final round. <laughs> I think you can actually watch pretty much every season of Supermarket Sweep on Amazon Prime right now. You sure can, and that's that. That is my. Uh, that's how I go shopping. Is I just grab things and go. That's why the, the cereal aisle is always emptied out, right? And that's why there's always 19. <laughs> that's why there's always 19 turkeys missing. 19 turkeys. <laughs> always go for the turkey. Always go exactly. for the turkey. Exactly. So I, just, I, I, uh, I quickly took a little glance at the remake. Just I read one article about the remake. And from what I read... Obviously, not a lot of info there, but it sounds like it's going to be like more survivor-ish than Road Rules Real World Challenge. Um, it, it it sounds like it's going to be the same show. It's just going to be adults, and it's going to be actually in the jungle. So I'm here for it, if that's the case. If it gets too drama-filled, then I'm out. But if it's just strictly about the competition, I'm down. So to stick on this point of remakes, I don't want to kill this topic yet. Um, I was at my mom's house on Sunday for Mother's Day, and we're watching some TV show, whatever was on TV. It's my brother Peter, so God knows what was on TV. Um, Wrestling? Probably. I couldn't remember. (laughs) But a commercial came on for the new Rugrats. 
There's a new Rugrats? Yeah, and I am totally pissed about it. For one, I love Rugrats. I love Rugrats Go to Paris. I love Rugrats All Grown Up. I love whatever Rugrats was back in my day growing up. Obviously, I named three of them in like a matter of eight seconds. Um, the new one looks like I took Clay or Play-Doh and I made a character and I called it a Rugrat. <clears throat> Yeah, no words on that. Like that just sounds terrible to me. Like I'm not excited about it. I'm actually kind of upset. Yeah, I I didn't even really like all grown up. Like I'm I'm a diehard regular Rugrats, just original Rugrats. That's it. Boot this um, guy. Boot this guy. But uh But yeah, anything honestly, anything like if we're on the subject of cartoons from our childhood, anything any remake of even the new Looney Tunes, the new Scooby Doo's, the new Tom and Jerry's—I hate all of it. I—I I don't like the animation. It's just not the same, and that's probably a nostalgia point of view, and not necessarily a actual giving it its fair shake. It's just I turn it on and I go, "This isn't what I used to watch when I was a kid. I don't like it," and I turn it off. Well, that's like the new. Mortal Kombat movie that just came out. For those of you that have not watched it, it's on HBO Plus or HBO Max, whatever subscription I'm paying for. It's fifteen ninety nine a month. Um, <laughs> that's a super shameless plug. So, if you grew up watching the old uh, Mortal Kombat, where they're fighting outdoors, fighting in the dirt, fighting here, doing this, climbing the mountain to fight on the top of the mountain. To the new one, it's not the same. I want to check the new one out, though. If you want to borrow my HBO okay, Max. The preview looked like it was going to be entertaining, at least. It's entertaining. Um, it is entertaining. And if you want to borrow my HBO it's just Max, not one. right, I will catch you off air. And I'll let you use my HBO Max. I have up to five up to five spots. So it's me, my wife, and a guest right now. So if you guys want to sign in on the guest, there you guys go. I'll text you guys a link. I'll, yeah, that'd be awesome. Sounds I want because uh, I want to see. Uh, I was so I, I, we have Xfinity, and they had that Watchathon week like a week or, a couple weeks ago, and so I went and I watched uh, I watched Joker, which I thought was fantastic. I loved it. Uh, Joker was so good. Uh, Still have yeah, not seen it's, it. Really, like, you got to see Joker. Not that I not like have any. It's not like that I don't want to go see, or that I don't want to see it. It's just when you have kids, man, it's it's hard to watch anything that I don't want the kids to watch because they're up when I'm up and they're asleep when I'm asleep. So uh, eventually, I will. Joker is my top five all-time favorite movie. Wow, that's high praise for for that. It really movie. is, especially because I. So I, the only problem that I have with the Joker is that Heath Ledger's Joker in Dark Knight Rises is an all time, just all time performance, all time character. Like it's if if somebody says the Joker to me, that is what I think of. So to have to think of somebody else in that role 
I, I understand that it can still be good. I understand that it can still be great, but it just won't be Heath Ledger. And, and I, I didn't, it, that, that doesn't sit well with me for some reason. So with this Joker, you have to take all the old Jokers that you know, such as Heath Ledger and who, uh, Jim Carrey, all those ones, and put them in their own category. Because this Jim Carrey was the Riddler. Riddler, Joker, same damn thing. Um, I think it was Jack Nicholas. That was the... Jack Nicholas. Close enough. Either or way, Nicholson. or Nicholson. Get, I get all... the golfer and the actor mixed up, so I don't know which one's which. Nicholson. <laughs> yeah. So get all those. Get all those Jokers and put them in their own category as the villain. Get this Joker and put it in his own category as something different. As just the guy. As just the Joker. As exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was a great film. I I really enjoyed watching it. I hadn't seen it um, up until then, and and I can't recommend it enough. And there's some there's some other things on there I wanted to watch, but I didn't get to during the watch before the watchathon week ended. But before we close out our our topic on reboots and remakes here, if you could pick one show or movie to reboot or remake, what would it be? That's a freaking load. Like you can't ask us that on the spot. Like I have to actually think about that because it can't be something that's like iconic See, and like fantastic. But it has to be something that what could be Con Air. Is it too soon to say? Ooh, no! But Con Con Air is so so cultish. With the bad Nicolas Cage accent and <laughs> the creepy guy with the little girl and and I like ah, that I don't know I'm not gonna be able to give an answer here so, maybe because everything that I want to say I go no I like the original too much so I don't know so if uh, I were to remake Conair like I said um. It has to have John Cena. Not as not as the main guy though. No, not as the main guy. But it has I think to have if you John did, Cena if you somewhere's in there. Probably like if you did a con air. I think we're losing Earl. Is that my internet this or week? Or is that Jacobs? Me. As Jacobs again. Thank God it's no, not. No, my mine. I have full signal. I have full signal. I can see it. Listen, you're 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 stuttering. You're you're skipping. <laughs> I don't understand what's going on. I hacked your Wi-Fi. Uh, maybe it's the weather. Maybe. Anyways, if you do a Con Air remake, Nicolas Cage still has to be Nicolas Cage. Like, you can't change that. Maybe you could do Cena as Cyrus the Virus. That could work. That could work. You've talked me into maybe. it, Maybe You've talked me into it. But... But Cyrus was bald, so Cyrus, a bald John Cena, just would not look right. Cyrus doesn't have to be bald; he just has to be a douche. No, no. And actually, I, he wasn't even really a douche. He was like kind of sympathetical for for that movie, which is weird. <laughs> Anyways, go can I can we, can can we get Earl to be the creepy guy with the doll? <laughs> I think it's a given. Yes, sign me up. I'll back oh. it right now. 
only if I get to sit in the middle of freaking nowhere in some random ass uh, airplane junkyard and see he's got the whole world in his hands while I'm having tea with that freaking doll. Actually, there was a little girl there, too, during that scene. And then there was a doll. But then he takes the doll or leaves. I don't remember. I don't, his his storyline is just strange to me. Story of like my they life. They let him out and he's got like leather face. It's just weird. Story of let's, my life. Let's, can we move on to soccer talk? Can we please move on <laughs> yeah, to soccer talk? We'll, we'll move on here. Story. Just like, I just want to say real quick, you know, Earl, if you want to sit in a, in a junkyard and drink tea with a doll, you could do that pretty much anywhere in New Mexico. <laughs> you know, you really don't have to go anywhere to do that. But uh, all right. Closing out uh, reboots and remakes. New Mexico United somehow managed to reboot their offense this past week. And they looked a heck of a lot better. <laughs> that look right there, Jacobs. <laughs> That's a stretch, my friend. That's a stretch. We scored a goal. That is uh, it is an upgrade, but it's like a, a minor upgrade. We did with a, with a soft uh, a soft power cycle on it. That's what we did. We power cycled the the club, got in a soft reboot, got them going again, you know. And we were talking about it. Um, I don't think it was a power cycle. I think we put it on rinse and just let it do its thing. All right. I mean, if you guys if you guys want to feel that way about it, um, I know that there were a, a lot of folks after the match, which of course we know in the Mexico United went down to El Paso, and were stunned in the last minute of the sixth of the sixth minutes of stoppage time in the second half. And El Paso stole a point on a pretty lucky drop uh, of the ball. I should, I would say. Um, but there were a lot of folks around social media after the match that still weren't happy with the way the club looked. Now we discussed it some that night, you know, in our group, in our group text. And we were, it seemed, you know, looking back at our messages, we were all of the opinion that the club looked head and shoulders better than they did the week prior. After going back, after thinking about it for a few days, have you cooled off on that? Or are you still convinced that we made significant strides? I I guess I have to go with, I cooled off on it a little bit because I, I did not, I did not rewatch this match like I did the first one. I didn't I didn't have a chance. But right after the match was over, I was like, I wonder what the stats looked like. So I pulled up the stats. And then I was like, surely the stats here tell a different story than the stats against RGV. So I pulled up the stats for RGV and I had them side by side. And y'all, they were identical. It was weird. Like they were in in a couple of places, we were worse against El Paso than we were RGV. But when you watch it, that's not what I saw. It's not at all what I saw. Even before we scored the goal, I thought we looked better, way better. And I don't know if it was just because El Paso looked worse than RGV, maybe. Because they... There was no long spells of possession for El Paso. There was no until the very end, obviously. And there was no like immediate threats from El Paso that like like I watched the whole match and I was like, Yeah, we're in control this whole time. We're in control. And that is not how I felt against RGV. 
But then the stats say that we basically had the uh, same exact game. So the stats made me pause a little bit, but I probably need to rewatch it in order to give a full, full thought process on, on if, if I still think we looked that much better. So I actually got to rewatch the match and Ooh, took my advice. Well, took my wife's advice. That's incredible. Um, so I actually got to watch the match, and what did I miss? You had to be on YouTube. Oh. Um, so I got to watch the match, and I got to rewatch the match as well. And I thought we did look a lot better than we did with RGV, which could be the opening game jitters. Um, now that we kind of know who's doing what and what's going where, um, it's a little bit more easy to play with each other, obviously. But I still think we have a long ways to go to be the top contender to fit, to beat San. I'm not even going to go Phoenix. Uh, we have a long ways to go to beat San Antonio. Yeah, that's that's uh that's pretty close to what I thought watching the match the first time anyways was was we look a lot better, but we still don't look like the team I thought we were going to be. And um you know, I part of that was, you know, I had Brian Brown as as a a dark horse golden boot winner and through two matches, we've seen him play like 30 minutes because he wasn't even in any 18 this week. Uh, and I, I, I don't know why uh, I, everybody that I talked to says it wasn't injury related. So it must've just been a coach's decision. And I don't know why. And that kind of worries me, but cause I, I do think we need, we need that other guy up top, like in that first year with Kevon, that finishes and kind of has has the the back line worried and right now we don't really have that no matter who we have in there like our offense was good it looked a lot better but it, it didn't look menacing like it did at times in the preseason well let's start with that so you mentioned being disappointed not seeing Brian Brown in the in the in the in the, in the even in the 18 from your perspective, do you think Troy had a reason for that? Or do you think that it was just kind of a last minute thing? I mean, obviously Troy's always told us that he's going to play whoever's, you know, whoever he feels is the best fit for, for that match. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Um, he's looked, Brian's looked a little slow at times and like a little, not necessarily like slow, like straight line speed, but just has looked a little off with his teammates in the preseason that we saw and then a little bit in that that opening match against RGV when he came in. So I don't know if that's a conditioning thing, if it's just not linking up with the teammates right and still needing to build that chemistry or what it is. So I'm wondering if he just didn't leave him out to, to either one, light a fire under him, or two, show him that, hey, this is... This is how it goes. Sometimes we're gonna. I'm gonna. I've got a, tough decisions I have to make, and and I'm going to make them like this. But I don't know why. Like if you look at the 18 on the bench, you basically have one offensive. 
you have Suggs, who's an offensive threat to an extent, and then you have one other offensive-minded person, and that's Illich. Tanari, Azira, Tete, Schmidt are all defensive-minded players. At least that's what we've seen them do so far. So how do you not have him in the 18 at least to be a threat to come in and and scare El Paso in the second half? So I don't know. It just, it is a weird move to me. We'll see. It, it, you know, but that's what that's why we started this whole predict the starting lineup every week game that we're doing. Um that I think Earl hates, but we're going to keep doing it anyways cuz he's part of the team and that's what we got to do. But uh it, it's because there's so many talented players on this team that it's going to be hard to pick a lineup every week that matches what Troy's thinking. And we kind of proved that this week. Seth did pretty good. Um, I think he had 16 points out of the possible 23 again. But, you know, I dropped down from 17 to like 12. Uh, Earl, I don't, I don't even remember, honestly, Earl. It was, uh, <laughs> I, Earl doesn't even remember, so it's okay. Um, and and that's part of the thing is we nobody has any idea what Troy's thinking half the time. So, and I'm not going to second guess him. If you look at last week's podcast, especially in the chat, Aaron Reader was in there. Oh, Aaron Reader's back again. Uh, that's what you were trying to get to. Um, he he said that Brian should start, and we all kind of agreed on that. And then he wasn't even in the 18. So, who knows what's going on there? So. Uh, Earl, do you want to read what Aaron said? Sure. So in the chat, we have Aaron Reader, who's a back-to-back watcher. So he's a high-score winner this week. Um, yeah. Aaron says, evening, gents. Uh, I think we looked sharper in the midfield. Backline was strong, but we're still leaving something to be desired in the final third. Um, and that's pretty much exactly what we we've kind of touched on now. Um, where we both we all agree that yeah we look good, we look clean for the first 75, 77 minutes, but then something fell off and took a sharp turn during the last third of the game. See, I I, I disagree with that, and you've you've watched it twice, so far be it for me to say that you're wrong. When I was watching it originally, I I didn't think that the the last little bit there was us playing badly. I think it was just El Paso was desperate, so they were throwing everything they could forward, and we were just having to hang on. So I, to me, like, we talked about it a little bit, Seth. It, it didn't seem like it was parking the bus to me. It just seemed like we were having to be playing more defensively because El Paso was was doing whatever they could to score an equalizer. I, I I felt like we possessed the ball even late into the second half at times, and it didn't seem like it was just 20 minutes of nothing but them pounding our heads in. It was, it was more like five minutes here, six minutes there, and then, and then they finally got the breakthrough, of course. And that's one of the biggest criticisms that I saw across, across social media after the match was that Many folks felt like we were just parking the bus. We weren't continuing to attack. We were just content to play for the one nil win. Now I have no problem playing for a one nil win. I have no problem, you know, doing that at all. I think anytime, 
any win is good, you know. But if you look at it in terms of the the pace of play, how things were going, you look at it and we weren't sitting in we weren't sitting back passing the ball around the back. We weren't not we weren't not attacking, if that makes sense. I hate to use the double negative there. But we were still going forward. We were still making attempts on goal. We weren't just passing around the back. I really don't see where people think that we parked the bus. Now, Earl, did I just miss something in watching this match? Did, is there any reason to say, yes, the Troy and the guys parked the bus? No. So I 100% agree that we did not park the bus. Um, I do feel like we took our foot off the gas a little bit to maybe try to play the clock a little bit, try to keep running it. Um, obviously, we're still passing around. So I think the mindset was just to keep it away from El Paso and <clears throat> play that game for a little bit. Um, but we were still taking shots on goal. I think maybe to get in, in El Paso's head that, hey, look, we're still trying to we're still trying to step on your throat. We're still trying to go for the kill shot. Um but we're still content with where we're at because we're up. Um, but no, I do not think we parked the bus. I just think we went into a lower gear. Jacob, one of the other criticisms that, that I saw a lot of was, once again, people quest, people questioning Troy's decisions, especially when it comes to subs. Now, I, you know, I, I, I'm sorry, but I can't take issue with the subs that he that he made. You know, you bring on Ilya, you bring on Tanari, you bring on Josh Suggs, you bring on Azira. And to me, you know, I think, you know, I think Bruce and Harry both had a fine game, but I think Josh Suggs is better in transition going forward and back than than either of them. I think Tanari is going to be a better holding midfielder than some of the other options you've had out there. Now, again, that's not saying he can't go forward, but I just, I don't see the criticism here. I don't understand the criticism. Do you think that there were any issues with these subs? Well, so I, I saw that a lot of the parking the bus stuff. I didn't see much about the sub. I didn't see much complaining about the subs, but my only issue with the subs is that I think half of them should have been starting in the first place. Um, but, but other than that, no, I don't, I don't know how you knock that at all from a in-game tactical perspective. Like I would have personally loved to see Tete get in there uh, for somebody just because I like Tete. Um, I would have liked Brian Brown to be in the 18 and get subbed on. But that's just because I think he could be a finisher for us. But with what was given, the, well, what options were given to us, and the cir- the circumstances that which we were in, I don't I don't understand how you complain about the subs at all. So that that doesn't make sense to me. The parking the bus thing didn't make sense to me. Basically, what I'm saying is, after a loss, just stay off of Facebook. Is what I'm saying. Um, I learned that the first year because people see what they want to see and and I, I'm at least I don't know if I'm known for it or not I mention it all the time that I'm an optimist um and and tend to see the best side of things 
And so sometimes I chalk it up to, oh, well, I didn't see them as parking the bus just because I I was looking on the brighter side of things. But I really don't feel like we parked the bus. I really don't have a problem with the subs. When I saw the when I saw this criticism of parking the bus and you know looking at the subs that were made, I actually went through the US I went through a number of different stats websites trying to research this and honestly the best one at that at, that I could find at that point was um the USL championship website which we all agree is terrible but they do have the match day chalkboard and so I specifically went and was looking at the second half passing for United and as I was going through various different players I made it through about five or six different players before all the you know stuff hit the fan this weekend and so I looked at Azira, Suggs, Tanari, Illich, Cello, and Dev. Guys who either played the majority of the second, or a good bit of the second half, or the entire match. And in just looking at the second half and looking at the match day chalkboard, just from a visual representation, looking at it from what I perceived as either a forward, a sideways, or a backwards pass, Azira had three in the second half that went backwards. Suggs had one. Uh, Tanari had three. Illich had two. Dev had four. You know, that's to me, that's not a lot of backwards movement. That to me says we're still going forward. Because if you, uh, you compare it to some of the, the passing, the other passing stats, Azira had nine forwards passes. Tanari had 11. Uh, Suggs and, and Tanari both had three passes to the side. Dev had five to the side. Now, Dev, of course, you know, playing up top in his position where he does, he's either going to try to turn and get up the pitch towards the towards the final third, or he's going to if he can't make that turn. Yes, he's going to pass it back. So I think that's understandable right there. So you can't really blame that. But just looking at the stats that I could see and just looking at that visual visual representation of it, it just doesn't feel like we were parking the bus or just holding the ball in our own defensive third to try and run down the clock. Now, obviously both clubs, you're going to take some fouls. You're going to take a few extra seconds, you know, uh, in the case of, uh, of what's his name for, for El Paso, you're going to you know roll around. You might think it was, you're going to roll around for two minutes, you know, when someone grazed your leg, but yeah, I just, I, yeah, I have a hard time looking at this um, and seeing that, that negative aspect of it. So, yeah, so I, to be honest, I expected us to park the bus when Azira came on, just to try to play it out a little bit. Azira being the defensive-minded person, kind of expected it. But Azira, and no credit, no slight to his name, um, played incredible. He played ten times better than what he did last week. He... Constantly kept going after the ball, kept attacking, kept attacking the ball to get it back at least. Um, I feel like he played a whole lot better than some other players on the pitch. Uh, I'm not going to mention any names. Um, but to be honest, I expected us to kind of park the bus. Uh, but obviously he didn't. 
So Jacob, uh, your, your, your thoughts there got cut off here a, a couple uh, couple minutes ago. Uh, what were you trying to say? One thing I will say, the USL website, while it has its flaws and stats are, some of the stats are a little wonky. There is a cool feature that I have been messing around with a lot this year called chalkboard at the very bottom of the thing there. And so what I've done is I have put put it to show just a few stats. Uh, passes, successful passes, unsuccessful passes, and key passes. And then at the bottom, you can kind of narrow it down to, to, to your minutes. So if you put it to 65 minutes after we scored... The overall flow of the game doesn't look that much different than if you look at it before we scored. Like, there's forward passes galore. Um, there's some backwards passes, but there's always going to be some backwards passes when you play like we play. So, it to just further the point, I don't feel like we parked the bus. I don't feel like the subs hurt us. Uh, I just feel like. El Paso started throwing more guys forward and we had to defend more because that's how it goes when you're only down one goal. If you're down one goal, you throw guys forward. If you're down two, three, then maybe not. Maybe you're you're defeated a little bit and you're just kind of going through the motion waiting for the game to match stand. But uh, if you're only down one goal, especially against your rival at home, you're going to try to score as hard as you can because you don't want to leave the first game of the season at home against a team that you cannot stand. You don't want to leave that with a loss. So that of course they're going to. And, and the play that they scored on, I thought it was defended fairly well. Kalen kind of fell asleep there, but I, that the header coming back across had to be just inch perfect for Carijo to get a foot to and put it in. And it, just so happened to be inch perfect. So sometimes you just get beat. Sometimes a perfect offense beats a good defense. That's just how it goes. So overall, like if you if you take a step back and you look at the match as a whole, I feel like we were the better team. We were more in control. I felt like it was a good stepping stone after that first match. The result, not necessarily what you want. You, you kind of want that win. You want those three points. But had you told me at the beginning of the match, hey, we're going to go down to El Paso, who was in the Western Conference final last year. We're going to control the match, but we're going to draw 1-1 and not tell me when the goals were scored. I'd be like, all right, I'll take it. So, yes, they scored in the last minute. I'll still take it. We're still fine. It is what it is. And we move on to a home opener for the ages. Before we get into that, I do have one final question regarding the El Paso match. Damn it, Seth. I set it up we, perfectly for you. I know. That was great. <laughs> and I appreciate that. No, that was awesome. Um, we talked a lot week uh, match week two about the referees and the whistles and the pace of play. Now, this week it seemed as though the referees kind of understood, yes, this is a rivalry match. And for the most part, let the let the clubs play. Do you feel like we handled the stoppages that were there any better than we did in in the first match? And do you think that the that the, the rivalry lived up to the hype this this uh, time around? 
Aaron, let me get back to your question here in a second. Um, I do feel like we did control the stoppages better. Um, I don't know if it was because we knew it was a rivalry game and El Paso sucks. And I have made sure I've told every El Paso fan I know that they suck, um, including on Facebook. Um, I want to talk about that post in just a few minutes. I've got I've got some got some words to say. Okay, so yeah, so I do think that we that we handled the stoppages better in a sense that we kept kept playing. We didn't slow down and try to have to restart. We kind of just picked up where we left off. Um, now to get to Aaron's question, he asks, do y'all think it's a matter of our, uh, sorry, let me try that again. Do you think it's a matter of our midfield not gelling with the guys up top just yet? That's a, it's a good point. It is, it is something that I, I hadn't really thought of, but when you, when you look at it from a sense that our, our players up top, especially if you have somebody like Dev and Mondo, in fact, I mentioned it the first game when Mondo all of a sudden had to drop back into El Paso territory to get, to get the ball and try to turn it and create something. It was because the midfield wasn't doing anything for us that match. And, and then you look at this match and it was the midfield was better amongst themselves, but you're right. They didn't really service the top hardly at all. So I, I will, I will watch the match again with that in my head and see what really points out. And then it, honestly, if you look at the goal, it was right into Swartz to Devin. So those three central midfield players weren't even involved in it whatsoever. So um, that's a problem, especially especially in this match when you have Isidro and Rivas who are supposed to be those creators. They're supposed to be the ones that kind of took over for Weehan in the central mid area anyways and distribute the ball to the top better, and, and they did not do that at all. So... So that is that is an interesting point that I don't think any of us here thought of. So so thank you for that, Aaron. Yeah, that's a that's a great. You just brought up a great point there, Jacob. When it comes to the replace, uh, you know, bringing in players to replace Weehan, um, we knew it was going to be tough. We knew it was going to be hard to replace replace these. You know, his goal scoring ability, his 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 chance creation, and I think. We kind of got a little bit spoiled, Jacob. You and I being down at the Mesa del Sol watching the preseason matches, we saw them bombing up the wings primarily, right? And we saw them working that right hand side with Brucey for the vast majority of the match Saturday night. And so that seems to be working at least better than playing through the midfield. And that's an area where we really need to improve. You either need to have Cello. They're working and having great movement off the ball to create space, like we saw from Bees all last season. You got to have Moreno cutting in, you know, making opening up passing lanes. You, there's a lot of different things that could happen right there, and it's just not happening yet. Now, whether it's communication between the midfield and the guys up top, I don't think that's necessarily it. I just think it's them. Just they're just not linking up right. I, I think you you can fix it. Or maybe not. You can fix it. I don't know for sure, but I I think what deserve what needs to be looked at at least 
is starting somebody else up with Dev, like Brian, like Illich, um, somebody else up there other than Moreno, and then dropping Moreno back down below them to where it's like a, uh, what would that be? Trying to do the math in my head and it's not working out. But uh, three in the back, and then you got your wing backs, and then you've got two in the middle. So like a three, four, one, two. Uh, or something like that to where it's you have you still have the wingbacks creating that space creating that width but you have moreno there in the middle to help distribute to the wingbacks or distribute to dev and brian up top or or to just dribble up and take it himself because he's capable of doing that because that's what we saw we do a lot and i think amando has the capability to do what we did in that role it's just he he's been asked to play up front more and you can't really do that when you're at the 18 box for at the 18 yard box for El Paso. Yeah. A lot of great points there. A lot of good things to look at and definitely something that we will be watching going forward. Aaron, thank you so much for, for those questions so far. And uh, I know Jacob really teed it up for me earlier, but we so I, I felt like we had a little bit more platter. discussion there. It oh, was, it was, and right we're still there, not man. done. We're still not done. Oh yeah, that's right. I got to get to Jerry because the match ends. I'm like, okay, well, El Paso fans will surely be quiet now. Like they just got dominated for 95 and a half minutes and scored. A great goal, don't get me wrong, but like it had to fall perfectly for them. And then somehow he still starts something on Facebook by posting a picture of a ref with a United logo on their shirt. And I look back at that game and or that match and I go, What did you see that I did not see there, buddy? Because there was a penalty on Moreno that should have been called. More than likely, anyways, I, I felt like it should have been called. I, I don't feel like he went down too easy. I felt like there was an arm in his back, and that's what took him down inside the box. That should have been a penalty. That should have put us up to nothing. That we don't even have this conversation. You have fouls were nineteen for United, and I want to say thirteen for El Paso. I don't have that set up at the moment, but I can get it up real quick. So nineteen to sixteen. Yellow cards were even at three apiece. Like, I don't, I don't know, I don't know. There was, I was blown away. There by was that. literally was blown a blown away by that. Sorry, there was literally a foul called on Brucey for getting mowed down. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Yeah the the player for El Paso went through Brucey's back. And yeah, Bruce was called for a foul. I, I rewound that 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 little section about eight times this morning to see: Am I missing something? I'm gonna have to go back and look at it a ninth time because I still don't know if I'm missing something. Yeah, so I I don't know where he got that take from. I was when I saw the post, I my jaw hit the floor. And uh, and it just goes to show that El Paso fans are just idiots. They just don't know what they're talking about. Uh, so now anything that they say, I just I can't 
I can't take them seriously no matter what. Like El Paso they can dominate us for the next twenty matches. And anytime an El Paso fan opens his mouth, I'll still just be like, Okay, buddy, you don't know soccer, so I don't really care what you say. They still insist that they were not chanting what we all heard. See, and I didn't hear it, so alright, I'll if y'all want to touch on that, you you guys be my guest, but I, I did not hear it. I don't know if I didn't have my volume loud enough or I just wasn't paying attention. So when you but... go back... Oh, it was primarily... It was yeah, primarily on, on the, the goal, goal kicks. kicks. Yeah, obviously. But... There comes that stupid freaking chant. And Aaron, if you want to chime in on this part and let me know what you heard. um, Yes, Yuma walking around and barking at the refs. Dude should have been sent off. Yes, he should have. But Yuma... We say that every match too. Exactly. Every time we play El Paso, we're like Yuma should Yuma should Yuma and Richie Ryan. Richie, I've seen Richie Ryan grab a ref's arm and spin a ref around to bark in his face, and and nothing ever gets done to him. And I don't understand why he's a little prick. So so to touch on what we were just talking about, and I really hate having to have this conversation because we've had it before. And it's tiresome already. There's a stupid chant that El Paso obviously finds funny. And they yell it and chant it at every goal kick. It's a four-letter word. I'm not going to say it because I'm not trying to get flagged on Facebook or YouTube or wherever the hell we're at nowadays. Um, It's a four-letter word and it starts with a P and ends with an O. I'll let you do your... I know they were Aaron. I know. I'll let you do. Everybody knows. Everybody knows. Right. They're the El Paso club, the locomotives club themselves, as well as the eighth notch, as well as everybody following that cult of a fan base, insists and is willing to die for it, pretty much. And I know because I've went back and forth all day with El Paso fans. They're willing to die for the fact that they're not yelling. The P word, but instead yelling Chuco, C-H-U-C-O, which I guess is El Paso's, um, is El Paso's nickname, I guess. I don't freaking know. Nor do I give a shit, really. I don't. The fact is, I know what I heard. I That was primarily why I went back to watch the game, because I got into it with some El Paso fans. I said, you know what, maybe I am wrong. So I went back and no, I was not wrong more than twice. It was that stupid word and it's ridiculous. If you go back and look at the Twitter reaction from the week prior, you've got people out there that are, that are confirming that this chant is happening, but Yet the club seems completely oblivious to it and saying something else is being done. But even at that, not even the club, the USL, who is advertising pride and all this stuff. I mean, I have the flag right there. Jacob has it right above his right shoulder. The other right shoulder. There you go. Um, There's this big initiative for USL stands with LGBTQ. Trust me, I do too. I have nothing wrong with it. It's your right, whatever. Do I, am I personally on that bandwagon? No, I'm not. But the fact that the USL will not step up against it because it's a playoff squad or a 
championship contender is bullshit. See, and I'm not, I'm not sure I'm right there with you on that. And like, I, when, when we would have that chant here in, well, not here cause I'm in Fort Sumner, but in Albuquerque, um, you know, our club, the PA announcer would come on right away and say, Hey, knock it off. The club has put out several statements. The curse put out several statements that first year. And maybe, maybe it's because we're not as attached or we're not into the Phoenix or the, sorry, I get my, uh, hatred, hated rivals mixed up sometimes. Um, maybe it's cause we're not in the same level of the weeds as they are over there, as we are here. Um, but they don't, they don't, they don't seem to be saying anything about it. I don't know why. Who knows? You know, it, it's, it's unfortunate that none that some of these supporter groups aren't stepping up, that some of the clubs aren't stepping up, that the league hasn't stepped up and really done something to enforce it. Now I know it's on a, you know, it, it comes down to the clubs and to the supporter groups. I know when we heard it, it came from the, the it generally came from the area that which, in which the curse sat and the curse, you know, like you said, they came out and they spoke out against it. And, you know, now I know that they can't, police everybody you know that's not a reasonable thing to ask but they've worked with the club they've worked with security at the lab to try to weed out the people that are doing this Mm -hmm. and something's got to change yeah yeah i to me it i know that i've heard it at united games i'm not gonna not gonna say that we're perfect over here but you almost always heard uh what what would we yell now i'm drawing a blank it's been it's been so many long so many days since the last time we had a home match that i can't remember but we would we would yell something else and you you would have a few that that decided to do their own thing but over there it it I know I didn't hear the hear it this match, but in previous matches, it sounds like it's everybody saying the same thing. Mm-hmm. It, it sounds what it, it is. It sounds predominantly like what they're saying, whereas here you catch it every once in a while. And so that's that just goes to show El Paso fans and what they what they're made of, basically. And I'm not going to say all El Paso fans, but a majority of El Paso fans. Like Jerry probably yells it. Let's be honest. Jerry probably yells it. <laughs> Who knows? I mean, let's just hope that any traveling fans this weekend, uh, specifically the, you know those coming up from Austin, uh, are better behaved than our, our compatriots down in El Paso. Uh, and as far as I know, the Austin Bold fans are have a little bit more have, have a good deal more class the El Paso supporters. Let's, let's just let's leave it at that. So um, guys, it's you, you, we've talked about it off and on. By the time Saturday gets here, 575 days in between matches at the lab. New Mexico United is finally home. 
finally back at the lab. We are looking at what fifty percent capacity for Saturdays. Seventy-five. Or is it seventy-five? Go up against seventy-five. I know they've. I know it's been going up. I know we're we are in turquoise now, and the club has been putting out statements saying they're releasing more and tic- more and more tickets. I didn't see an exact number on that, but. It is. This is going to be fantastic. I know we've already heard from the club. We are going to have at least two of us there on Saturday night. And first and foremost, how does it feel to finally be heading back to the lab? So I posted it on Facebook a while ago, and I've been posting on Facebook all freaking day. Um, Peter put out a post a while ago, pretty much giving the same spiel you just did, um, only he was holding up the opening day flag which has been one of Somos Masa's Facebook covers um, where it's the state of Mexico with all the first responders, the central workers, pretty much. Um, and I put, it gave me freaking goosebumps because for the first time in seven and 500 something freaking days, more than 575 because I didn't go to the last home match or five, seven, four and a half. Cause I watched half the match at home. Um, well, uh, we'll reach out to the club and let them know they have to update their count to the last time Earl's please at do. the lab. Yeah, please do. Um, anyways, <laughs> it gave me freaking goosebumps and it makes me more and more excited talking about it to the point where I don't want to talk about it anymore. And I just want freaking Saturday to be here. Yeah, um, Aaron. Aaron just commented, he's gotta gotta get to bed. So um, I know Earl feels your pain, Aaron. So thanks again for stopping by. Uh, next Tuesday we'll be here again. Love to see you. Uh, hear from you again. Uh, and and at this point, if you keep coming on, then we're just gonna have to get you actually on the podcast one of these times just for fun. Um, <laughs> so what? The only thing that like. I'm I'm beyond excited for Saturday, but I have this pit in my stomach uh, because because there's only at the moment, anyways, there's only two passes for three people, and uh, I don't know how that's going to work. I I don't want to think about it. I'm praying that Seth can just get uh, his pass through ESPN, and then we don't have to worry about it. Um, so how no matter how awesome it's going to be one of us is going to miss out if we don't get Seth in there through ESPN and that that it it breaks my heart just a little bit cuz even if it's not me even if i still go like to know that one of us three isn't going to be there uh just really 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 kind of sucks uh for this first match like i i feel like they should open it up this first match to to let all of us in just so that we can all say we were there. And then after that, go back down to two or whatever they're going to do. But, um, but yeah, it Saturday is just, it, it's going to be incredible no matter what happens, no matter who can go and who can't. And, and, uh, I mentioned it back when me and Earl were on by ourselves, when Seth was in angel fire, um, like that, it, it it's going to, it's going to be over a year's worth, 575 days worth of pent up emotion, pent up frustration, pent up 
sadness because it was just a rough year for everybody. Um, you know, I, for those of you listening that don't know, um, I, I'm not your typical soccer fan, um, as far as political affiliation and, and beliefs in, in, in some things, but I'll be damned if I don't love everybody that's in that stadium, uh, as family and to be able to have everybody there again, it's, it, we talked about it. Me and Earl talked about it. Me and Seth have talked about it. It's soccer's secondary. Um, at that point, uh, we could get our asses kicked five nil. And, uh, I think every single person that walks out of there will still be smiling, uh, aside from the people who thought we parked the bus. Um, and, and I can't wait for that. I can't wait to, to either live it or hear about it from the ones that, that do get to live it if it's you guys or, or, or what we decide there, how we decide that. But it, uh, Earl's talked about goosebumps a lot and, and yeah, I think, I think the first time you walk in and, and hear, uh, Oh, somos unidos. That's it's, if a tear doesn't come to my eye, I'll be surprised. Yeah. It's going to be an emotional night for sure. I, I know I, for one, I'm just, I think for me, it's going to take a few minutes for everything to really, to really, you know, set in, you know, we're going to get out there. There's going to, you're the robot of the three of us. So I, I, I I wasn't sure how you would react. I, I thought you, I I wasn't sure, but (laughs) I, I I gasket or I kid a little bit because I know you're not a robot, (laughs) but out of the three of us, you definitely are the, most even keel. So uh, yeah, it, yeah. Yeah. I just, yeah, it, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a strange sensation, you know, first of all, walking in to, we're, we're looking at what, you know, probably eight, 9,000 people may potentially, you know, I don't, we don't, we won't know the exact ticket numbers until we get until Saturday night, but you know, walking in with that, hearing the walkout music, hearing, you know, the, the magic minute, you know, there's all these moments that are going to hit. And, you know, it, again, it's been a year and a half, almost, you know, almost since we've been at the lab. I mean, first of all, it's going to be, you know, I think over a year, yeah, almost two years, over a year and a half. If my Uh, math is right. Yeah. I try to do, you know, off the top of the head math, but um, yeah, you know, seeing the people, seeing the curse march into the stadium, uh, seeing the flags flying, seeing, you know, I, it's just, it's, it's going to be moment after moment. And I think it's going to take all of us as fans a few minutes to, to get settled in. And I think once the play on the pitch gets started, you know, I think the fans will find their rhythm. And, and the next thing too, is then, you know, how does that affect the players? You know, they've sure they've been playing out over at Mesa del Sol, a couple hundred folks, you know, and then there were a few hundred folks up in Colorado Springs last year the, when they play the switch when they play the switchbacks. But this is going to be completely different than anything they've experienced for the past you know, year and a half. And for and so for the majority of them, they've never going to have experienced it. I think there's yeah. seven players that were on that first season, and the other thirteen have have never 
I've never experienced it. Maybe, maybe, maybe twelve, because I think Phil is technically not counted in that seven. I don't remember when I figured that number out. I don't remember exactly how I figured it out. But either way, the majority of them have never experienced anything like this, and and I, I'm very curious to see how they react. Yeah, you have to wonder if it's going to take them some time to adjust to that, or. You know, if there's some nervy moments, maybe we see, maybe we see, you know, an early goal, a couple early fouls or something, you know, that are just a little bit harder than they need to be, or we we concede something early, just because of those nerves, you know, and, and the, all those emotions going through everybody. But I think, again, it's going to be, you know, they're they're professional soccer players. These these guys should be prepared to go into something like that. For all we know, Troy is pumping in music out at Mesa del Sol you know, pumping in crowd noise down there. So they, so they get kind of used to it. Uh, who knows? Uh, granted, you know, the PA system that made it, Mesa del Sol is not exactly fantastic, but um, it, it's, like I said, it's going to be moment after moment going into that. And this weekend will also be Austin Bolt's first match. They haven't played a match yet this season. I mean, I, which kind of at this point still boggles my mind. I mean, they're in Texas. I don't understand how they haven't played a match already, but um yeah, so you have to think for them too coming in. How is that crowd noise going to affect them? You know, what sort of what sort of effects is that going to have on them? And so I look at this. I think the more the closer we get to it, I think I, I feel more strongly that we're going to walk away with a win from this one. I think that if we don't, then uh, it'll be because we're too amped up. I, I don't. I don't think it'll be, I don't think we'll come out and we'll see a team that's flat. I don't think we'll see a team that isn't excited to be out there. I, th- I think we'll see Brucey bombing in and Ryden just knocking dudes over like he did in El Paso in the first five minutes. And, and you'll see Dev active. You'll, I, I think you'll see a strong performance coming out. It's just, to me, it's about that first goal. Uh, the longer it takes to get that first goal, the more tension that's going to be in the lab. And if we can get that first goal in the first 15, 20 minutes, then I think they could maybe loosen up and play a little bit better. But if, if, if it's into the second half, into the 70th, 80th minute, and it's still nil nil or we're down and we're, we don't have a a goal on the board yet, then, then it's going to be interesting to see how they react for sure. So call me crazy. But not a problem there. I do it all the time, anyways. But I kind of, I don't want a, a sh- like a blowout. I don't. I want us to go nil nil until like the seventieth minute, eightieth minute, to where when we finally score that goal, the freaking lab explodes. It's going to explode anyways, and I feel like if it goes till the 70th minute, my heart will explode before the lab explodes. So <laughs> I just, I need a, I need an early goal, man. That's, you're young, your heart can take it. Us us old guys, man, we, we need that early goal so that we can breathe a little easier throughout the night and not get our heart rate as elevated. Nope. See, I thrive off of the heart rate. Yeah, I think an early goal 
<laughs> I think an early goal will go a long way towards settling the nerves of, of everybody, you know, from the players to the supporters. And yeah, I, I, I don't want to wait until the 70th minute to see a goal. You guys I are mean, no fun. I'd rather get out there and get that goal and, and uh, you know, have the guys settle into a rhythm and get that feel back for being at the lab. You guys are no fun. And I, I, I want this to be a, a Salt Lake or Real Monarchs match from April 13th of 2019. Um, I want it to be... Five one by the time five deal by the time it's over is what I want. I'm not predicting that, but that's what I want. I want an early goal and then a goal right before halftime and then a goal right after halftime. And then a couple after that, just to spread it out, make it exciting throughout the whole thing. Cause the only thing about the real monarchs match is it was like, bam, 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 bam. And then the fifth one came in the second half uh, and was kind of boring. But so I want those goals, man, not fast and furious, but like the 20th minute, the 42nd minute, the 56th minute, the 70th minute, the 80th minute, the 90th minute, something like that, man. That'd be perfect for me because th- that place would be so loud all night. If that happens it, it, there, it would, it would just be a constant roar if that's the case. And you'd still get the eruption. You'd still, that first goal, no matter what happens, it's the, if the roof, if the lab had a roof, it would get blown off after that first goal, no matter when it comes. As long as it comes during that match, it's it's going to explode. So I've been looking at the Austin Bold FC website, trying to look at their Wikipedia page. Again, another club that doesn't have a 2021 season Wikipedia page for whatever reason. Guys, you got to get on this. Get your Wikipedia pages going. Um so it's kind of hard to track what they did in the off season. Um, and they do have an updated roster out there, but that's about it. Uh, from what I can, from what I can tell, they didn't necessarily do great in their preseason. They drew with RGV. They lost, or they, they beat, uh, OKC energy. And then they drew with, um, FC Tulsa from what I can tell. Is there anyone on their current roster that stands out to you as a player that we should be keeping an eye on Saturday night? Who's even on the roster? Right. Um, I mean, some of the names that I, that kind of stood out, you know, players that we've seen before. Uh, Diouf is back. Uh, Josue Soto is back. Uh, Omar Gordon is there. Uh, they've made a couple signings, a couple loans. Loaned players coming in from Nashville SC. And let's see, they also loaned in Juan Pablo Torres from NYCFC. So they've got a few names out there that might seem familiar. But again, this is a club that we haven't seen, you know, since last year. Uh, and again, the news has been kind of hard to follow as far as as far as they go. So yeah, I, I honestly don't know what to what to expect from this Austin Bolt side. I was actually really high on what Austin did this off season. Um, I, I followed what I liked about them is that they, they, they've always been competitive. They've always been pretty good. Their attack has always been questionable. So, so two names that they, they went out and got, they went out and got Sean Acoli. Uh, I don't know if I'm butchering that name or not, but, um, it's a name that I recognize. 
Uh, it's a player that I think has has quite a bit of talent. He was with Orange County last year, um, and, and I and I think he has potential to bring some scoring punch to them. And then in that same fold, uh, a guy that we we should be somewhat familiar with, uh, Jason Johnson, played for Phoenix in in uh, year one of New Mexico or of New Mexico United, I think. Unless I'm getting him confused with somebody else, but um, they're both offensive players that that I feel like were good signings for them in a position of need that could give their offense a little more punch. And then they they offer that you'd mentioned some other names that they added that I had seen before, and and all in all, I think they have a talented squad. And I thought that they would be fighting for that fourth spot in this group. And they still might be. Uh, RGVs look impressive, though. Um, Colorado Springs has not. So we'll see. We'll see what happens there. But I, 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 think, I think it's going to be a good match. I think our defense is up to the challenge. It, it just comes down to our offense. And if our offense can do anything like it did in the preseason... And, and if it can build off of what it did against El Paso, then then watch out. Because if that midfield starts to connect with the players up top, it could be it could be a good game for us, especially with the energy of playing at the lab. And, and we're certain that this is Jason Johnson from Phoenix, and not our our friend Jason Johnson from uh, Horndean United FC over in England, right? That's a joke that goes way over my head if it's a joke. <laughs> JJ from uh from the Sporty SCN podcast. Oh, yeah, that JJ. Yeah, no. Uh I I <laughs> yeah. I'm relatively sure it's not. Uh but who knows. Yeah, I I don't know if our if our friend JJ could uh take the Phoenix heat, but uh <laughs> again, we don't know a whole lot about this Austin FC club. Uh so we're going to find out a lot Saturday night. Uh, at the lab um, from our perspective, who do you think is going to be the key for us? I think it's Amondo. It Amondo needs to, to create more for other people and, and, and for himself for that matter. I, I don't have the stats up in front of me, but I, I feel like he and dev have just been non-factors for the most part. Um, did, well, let me rephrase that. Dev was a complete non-factor for the first match. Uh, Amando has seemed to be a no-show for both matches. Um, I, I think we, I think it's because we have him playing out of position, but, but I'm not 100 percent sure there. Yeah, but he, he's got to show up. He's got to do something. He's got to make things happen. He's got to be, he's got to be that that distributor and the attacker and everything. If if we're in the same lineup that we've been in or, or basically the same lineup, then, then he's got to step it up. Uh, it's either between Mondo or Sergio. Um, it's going to be someone that has some kind of goal scoring ability that hasn't scored, obviously, because we've only had one goal this year. Um, but knows how to score and thrives off of fan interaction that's that that's my idea on who's 
Yeah, Sergio's Sergio's not a bad pick. I I'm very curious to see how he reacts to playing in his home state for the first time in front of home fans and and uh hopefully he he can uh harness that energy and use it for for something good instead of getting nervous about it and and struggling with it. Earl, score prediction. What do you get? What do you have? Well, my heart says 1-0. It's kind of like I said a while ago. My heart says 1-0, scored in like the 80th minute. My brain says 3-1. Obviously us. All right, Jacob? No, let's see. You know what? I'm I'm going to go I'm going to go for it. I'm going to say 4-0. I I, Four I guessed that right. the first match and was completely wrong, obviously. Uh, so I think I'm just going to keep guessing it until it happens. And then I'm going to be like, see, I told you guys. <laughs> all right. All right. Not a bad guess. Not a bad guess. Um, I, I definitely like our chances better this week than I did last week. Um, I, I feel like we showed up a lot more against El Paso than we did in the opener. And so... I think it's going to be two nil us. I don't think we quite get that three goal mark, but I say two nil. I think we get one one in each half. And uh, just for uh, just to uh, throw it out there, Dev in the magic minute for the opener, um, because I mean, who who better to score the first home goal of the season? He's already scored the first goal, so that's what Dev does is score first goals in the <laughs> season. So yeah, that doesn't make that, that makes a lot of sense. So real quick. Um, I pulled up three players uh, from the last match and their their stats. And so just in general, their passes, Devin had 32 passes. Sergio had 47 passes. Amando had 15. As in 1-5. That's, that's not, that's not what you want. Like, he he has to be more involved in the attack. He had no shots, no goals, obviously, no shots on target, no block shots, no successful crosses, no assists, no chances created, one offside call, and one unsuccessful cross. Um, Dev had a goal, two shots on target. He was offside once, didn't have any chances created or anything like that. But I, I think that could be part of the problem is that I imagine I haven't looked, but if you, I imagine if you look at our chances created uh, up and down the roster, nobody's going to stick out there whatsoever. And that's part of the problem. And I think that player needs to be Amando because he, he's like a zero on the stat sheet. He won two fouls, conceded three fouls. So that's a net negative. He obviously he's in a position where he doesn't play a lot of defense anyways, but no tackles, no clearances, no block shots, no interceptions. Like I said, no shots, no shots off target, no shots off target, no block shots, no nothing. And then only 15 passes. All of them were short. He only won two duels and lost 10 and lost three aerial duels and won none. And had 53 or 66.7 passing accuracy, which is the best, is better than Dev, but still not great. So Amando has, has, has to step it up in order for us to play better on offense. 
Yeah, I think that's a very fair point to put out there. Mondo just hasn't looked great so far in the regular season, which is kind of a shock given what we saw from him in the preseason. He, he was playing well. He was creative. He was getting, he was, you know, he had that, uh, he had some, some good, I think he had a couple good goals in the preseason. So it's kind of surprising to see that him not as efficient as he was previously. So hopefully that's something that he gets turned around here in the next couple of matches. Yeah, I, it, 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 he has to. And you know why he has to? Because there's players on this team that'll take a spot because of how deep we are. He, I imagine we'll see him this match, but if he has another performance like he did the last two, I I wouldn't be surprised to see him coming off the bench. Like we talked about Troy trying to light a fire under Brian possibly, uh, and that's why he wasn't in the 18. If Moreno doesn't start producing, that's going to happen to him. It just is. All right. I think that's just about it for our New Mexico United show this week. Uh, does anybody have any final thoughts before Jacob gets us out of here? Fuck Phoenix. Fair. <laughs> Fair. We are an hour and a half into the show, and uh, it, it took that long for for Earl to get that out. So, so kudos to him on holding it in for that long. And... Uh, I understand that it had to, it had to be said. It just had to. Um, yeah, my only thoughts are glad we played better. I wish we'd have got the three points, but we, uh, it, it sets us up for a, a weekend that has potential to be a once in a semi lifetime, uh, opportunity for, for the fans and, and the players and everybody involved. So, uh, I can't wait. We're a little under five days away from it or four days away from it. And, um, and yeah, it's, it's going to be incredible and I don't want to have to shoot either of you, but I will take your kneecaps out if we only get two people to go. So just, uh, just throwing that out there. Other than that, guys hit us up on social media. Uh, you can catch us on Facebook, Somos Moss and M, Twitter, Instagram, uh, all of the above. Uh, Earl and Seth are on Twitter and Facebook, maybe Instagram. I don't know. I don't. I I should know by now, but I'm, uh, Earl's holding up three fingers. I don't know what that means. Um, so we're just gonna say okay, Earl, and. Uh, we're going to go ahead and, and say that I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and tw- I'm not on Twitter. I run the Twitter account for the Somos Moss. So if you're talking to somebody on Twitter, it is me uh, for the most part. So hit us up on there. Email us. Direct message us on any platform. However however you want to get a hold of us, go ahead and do it. Go ahead and rate and review on Apple Podcasts and uh and anywhere else that you listen to podcasts, it, it's greatly appreciated. It lets us know that there's people out there that are listening and enjoying. Or if you want to leave a review that says, hey, do this better, uh, we will definitely make a concerned effort to do better at whatever it is you do not like. So next week, same time, same place. Maybe we'll have Aaron Reader on the pod. And uh, yeah, until next week, somos lindos. You've been listening to Somos Moss. 
your source for the latest news and notes on New Mexico United and weekly discussions from around the world of sports. Each episode is recorded live on Tuesday nights on our YouTube channel and goes live on podcast platforms around the world later in the week. Our show is written and produced by Seth Bedoff, Jacob Terrell, and Earl Nieto, and is edited by Seth. All episodes are recorded and edited using Zencaster and Audacity. <laughs>